Okay, take your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't want to take your Bible, we have it on your outline there for you. Ephesians chapter 5. Glad you stayed today. And I uh, hope God will give you something here today from the preaching of God's Word. The year was 1995. Yes. The auditorium where you seated, are seated right now was not yet completed. The shell was up. It was drywalled. It was painted, if I remember correctly. Lots have been done. We were missing one thing, carpet. There was no carpet. And another thing, we were missing occupants. Ruthie was nine months pregnant with Allison, and she was just beginning to show. <laughs> and, uh, and so this is where the church was at the time, 1995. And uh, there was a young couple who wanted to be the first people married in this auditorium. Uh, no carpet, no occupancy. And so this young couple, mostly the husband, me and me, wanted to be married in this auditorium. We had no carpet, no occupancy, so I gave in on that. We got married next door in the fellowship hall. In fact, the dates fell exactly the way it is this year. Uh, March 5th was a Sunday, which is my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, babe. Uh, March 5th was a Sunday. And uh, yeah, I'm bringing it in there. Uh, and Monday was the 6th. We got married on a Monday. This is how committed I was at the time. I got married on a Monday, so I wouldn't miss a Sunday. We went on a honeymoon, a real quick honeymoon to, to Michigan with plans for later things later on. And I didn't want to miss a Sunday, so I was committed. I got married on a Monday. That's commitment. Clay, mark that down. That's commitment. <laughs> we, expect, uh, we expect you guys to be here. No missing any Sundays, all right? We got to change... All right, you guys got that? We've got three weddings going on this year. We, no Sundays can be missed. That's, we set the example <laughs> back in 1995 out of stupidity. All right, so <laughs> anyway, that's, that's the way it was. And so um, there's some things that I would change about that day, but for the most part, not very many things that we would change. One thing I wouldn't change, I look back 28 years, 28 years tomorrow, be March 6th, would be our 28th anniversary. I remember the moment that I can still picture in my mind is what is now our old fellowship hall with the brown carpet and the brown pews, yellow windows. It was beautiful in there, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful setting for the wedding. And uh, but the moment that my bride-to-be walked through the back doors of the fellowship hall. You guys remember that? Men, remember that, that moment when you looked at your, most likely the tradition ha has always been for a while, not to see the bride that day, and I didn't see Jackie that day. She had gotten ready at some friend's house here in uh, St. Thomas, and she came over. I remember walking through that back door, my beautiful bride that day. That's still etched in my mind. That's the moment I watch most for at weddings nowadays is I watched that moment. I, watched, I remember watching, you know, trying to watch Derek's eyes as Kayla walked down the aisle. And so I watched all, I watched it happen. I watched that, that, uh, that groom for the first time see his beautiful bride. I'm not watching the bride right away. I'm watching the groom for that initial reaction. It's a moment, I'll, Clay, I'll be watching. I'll be watching, Peter. I'll be watching, Daryl. For that moment that you see your bride the first time, your beautiful bride on that day. And that moment still etched in my mind. And so today I want to start a series uh, I call The Beautiful Bride. This is not a series about Jackie and I. Thank you, thankfully. All right. Uh, that would be uncomfortable and awkward for all of us on many levels. All right. We don't want to do that. But I want to talk to you about The Beautiful Bride of Christ, the church, the church. And I hope that as we talk about the church, that you'll fall in love again with the church. 
I'm excited and grateful, and I hope you are, to be part of the beautiful bride of Christ. So let's read a few verses about the church. You're just going to spring off from these today. We'll read a couple of verses. We'll have, um, kind of start the series this way. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll begin in verse number 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, we use this all the time to talk about a relationship between husband and wife, and we should. But in reality, if you look at it in context, it's really God's using the marriage relationship to illustrate to us the church, not the opposite. The, the relationship between Christ and the church. In fact, he says that in verse 32. Look at that. It says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. My primary uh, desire here is to tell you about Christ and the church, not a husband and wife relationship. But we can learn from those things. It's about Christ and his relationship to the church, the beautiful bride of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 is also on your outline. For I am jealous, Paul said. I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. We're going to talk about the beautiful bride of Christ. Just some basic things today about the church. Let's pray, and I'll give you a few points to think about. Heavenly Father, I ask that you'd help us now to see again fresh the beauty of the bride of Christ. Help us to be overwhelmed by the part we can play and the part we can have in, in being your bride. And Lord, I pray that each of us would see our position and our place and, and uh, grab hold of that and love it and long for it. Thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, on your outline, if you're taking notes Talking about why the church is so special. Special because it's the bride of Christ. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Number one, if you have an outline there, the church, of God, the church is God's idea, not man's idea. The whole concept of church was not guys sitting around the room saying, how can we get people together? What can we do to organize it? It wasn't Peter, James, and John thinking, we got to hold things together. Jesus is gone. How are we going to keep this thing from falling apart? We better organize a church. It wasn't... Peter, James, and John, the disciples, or anybody's idea, the church is God's idea, not man's idea. First use of the word church is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Christ said, I say unto thee, thou, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That's Jesus Christ saying, this is my church. This is my bride. This is my idea. This isn't something that we're, man has to come up with. We can just follow the guidelines of Jesus Christ. The church is God's idea, not man's idea. And there's a lot of groups out there doing a lot of great things. You can be part of different groups and do different things or, and help with all kinds of issues in our society. But there's only one group that was started by Jesus Christ. It's the church. I hope you're thankful and understand the, the incredible, what's the word I'm looking for? To be allowed to be part of the bride of Christ. He's allowed us to be part of his organization, his, his group. It makes the church special. 
And you're as much a part of the body as anybody ever was. You heard about uh, uh, Peter and John going to the temple, founders and, and beginners of the church. But you know what? You are just as much a member of the church of the bride of Christ as they are. You think about all the history, and you, we, can, we think about the beautiful things we're learning in the book of Acts and the thousands that were saved and how the church exploded, but you, know, you are just as much a member or a part of the church as they are. And we can trace this for thousands, we're talking over 2,000 years ago now, and we can trace back that we are still the call-out assembly of Jesus Christ on this earth. I've only been a member or a, yeah, a member of two churches in my whole life, Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. And then uh, when I went to Pensacola, I didn't join there. I went to college there, but I didn't join there. I stayed a member of Cleveland Baptist, and I came up here, and my first service devoted me in uh, over 30 years ago now as part of this church. But it doesn't matter if it's Cleveland Baptist or, or Bible Baptist. It's, it's the church of Jesus Christ, I'm part of the bride of Christ, all right? And so the church is God's idea not man's idea that makes it very special. It's one in a million, and you're part of it. Let that sink in. Let that, let, that, let that resonate in your mind throughout the week, that you're part of the bride of Christ. Number two on your outline, the church is a, an organism, not an organization. You've probably heard that before. The church is an organism, not an organization. Sometimes I use the word, I use the word organization. We're really not an organization. We're an organism. There's a difference. See, according to Revenue Canada, we are classified as a charitable organization. Back when the church was founded uh, many years ago, they applied to the, the government of Canada and said, can we start a charitable organization called Bible Baptist Temple? And they got permission from the government of Canada to start an organization. So basically, we are 11887619RR0001. Welcome. <laughs> that's who you are. Revenue, that's who Revenue Canada sees you as. You're part of the Bible Baptist Temple, and that's our registration, our charitable registration number. All of our, in fact, your tithe receipt. If you gave to the church this year, your income tax receipt would have that number on it. That's what they recognize us as. We're a charitable organization. You know what? Guess what? The government of Canada gave us permission to be a church. They think. <laughs> they think. And I, I say, why is this important? Well, it's important to know that there may be a day <laughs> in your lifetime where we are no longer a charitable organization. They may take away our charitable status. They may say, because right now, according to the government of Canada, the promotion of religion is a charitable activity. We would say, and our purpose is pretty well clearly defined in our, in our opening statements, is that we spread the gospel. So government Canada still says, okay, you're spreading the gospel, you're okay, you're a charitable organization, keep spreading the gospel. But how long is that going to last? How long until the government of Canada says the promotion of religion is not benefiting the whole country as a whole, and so we're going to stop giving charitable status to organizations that promote religion or preach the gospel, or won't preach this, or won't... There may be a day. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom guy because I'm not. I'm saying it doesn't matter if we have charitable status or not or organization status or not. We're an organism. And so tomorrow they say you no longer be a charitable organization. The Bible Baptist Church continues to be an, an organism that keeps growing and moving and do, does the work of Christ. Right? That's the difference. 
And so, yes, the government of Canada thinks they've given us permission, and they have given us permission to do certain things, like issue tax receipts and not pay uh, property taxes on property, certain things that we are allowed to do as a charitable organization. But there are many nations today where the organism of the church still gathers and still grows and still represents Jesus Christ. China, in the Middle East, all over. There's, there's, there's groups today meeting that the government has no idea exists, but the church continues to grow. We're an organism, not an organization. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says this, but, I, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is, and this is like this part, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. We are the church, the called out assembly of a living God that makes us a living representation of a living God. We're an organism, not an organization. I don't care what Reverend Canada says. We function that way. The church, the Bible, uses the illustration of the body. In fact, I'm not sure if it's an illustration as much as a description. It's, it's more than a metaphor for the church. The church is a body. There's other metaphors that the, the Bible uses for the church, like the bride of Christ, but we really are the bride. It's not really a metaphor. It's really what we are. And we're a body. It's a bunch of uh, living organs functioning as one. It's a living organism. Man, the church is special. There's nothing like it to compare. Because it is founded by God, not man. And because we're an or, as a group, we're really an organism, not an organization. And I think we all do good things in our community and things that even uh, to help our community. I think our church ought to do that, but that's not what defines us. What defines us is that we are representing a living God. We are His assembly, His body. Number three, the church functions... The church functions locally, not universally. Let me explain what I mean by that. Lo we function locally, not universally. Universally. So the church, the big church, the church is made up of all believers of all time. It's the church. All right. So when Jesus Christ said, uh, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail again. I wasn't even born. I wasn't even thought of, but I'm still part of that. So that is like this, the big idea of church. But just later, a couple of chapters later, we get this instruction. Matthew chapter 18, verse 17, talking about how to handle issues among believers. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. Well, that's not universally. It's not like we had a problem in our church. We called every believer in the whole world to tell them that we had a problem in the church. See, the church may exist and be the church, but it exists and functions today as local assemblies. I've been a part, like I said. I've, I've preached in many churches. I, I've ministered in many churches across over these years. But I've belonged to and fellowship with and function as a body with one church right now, Bible Baptist. This is my church. My church, as much as it is, like, is really Christ's church. You understand? This is where I belong, though. This is where I've chosen to fellowship. It's a body and it's a, it, so we don't function this big as a universal, it's a local thing. So the, uh, one author put it this way, um, if you are part of the church, you should be part of a church. <laughs> so if you are a b b born again believer and you love Jesus Christ and you want to represent him to the world and, and do what you're called to do and you love God, then 
be part of a church. This is, this is his body, his organization. He started it. It's an organism. It's growing. It's living. It's breathing. It's an organism. And much of the New Testament was written to local churches. We benefit as a whole, like we're benefiting from the book of Ephesians right now. It was written to the church of Ephesians, Ephesus, right? But we still benefit from it. So the Bible was written to local assemblies and then passed and passed and passed. So the church functions locally. I think it's important to understand that. So for our study, we're going to focus in on the, your place in the local gathering of believers. All right, do you understand that? So we're not talking about like the church. We're talking about a church being part of the bride of Christ right here, right now in this place, how that functions. That's what we're going to talk about. Last thing on your outline. The church is a vehicle, not a destination. The church is a vehicle, not a destination. Let me try to unpack that statement for you a little bit. Church attendance is important. I believe in it. Church membership is important. I practice it. I'm a member here. But that's not the end. It's just the beginning. So church is not the destination. Some people believe that. Like uh, if, if you talk to people about their religious or their, are you going to heaven? Oh, I'm a, I'm a member of such a, I, I go to this church. That's not the destination. That's not the end all. I believe it. I practice it. I come. I, I'm faithful. But that's not the destination. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Verse 25 is what we usually use about, you know, a church tennis. Verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Yes, it's important. Don't forsake the assembling of the body. When the body comes, be there. Be part of it. It is important. But the rest of those verses around that says in verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, the church is God's vehicle for edifying, exhorting, equipping, encouraging, evangelizing, and any other E word you can think of. That is what the church is all about. It's the vehicle. This is what God starts. I'm going to call together a group of people, and they're going to go around the world, they're going to evangelize, and they're going to educate, and they're going to encourage each other, and they're going to exhort one another, and it's going to function as local, independent bodies all around, and they're going to help each other, and it's going to grow and be an organism, and that's the church. It's not the, I'm a member of such and such church, but I don't put anything into it. That, that's not church. See, church is just a vehicle that God uses to allow us to edify, exhort, equip, encourage, evangelize. So, Church is less about our presence. It's more about our practice. You got it? The church is more, less about your, so you came to church. So you, so you, you showed up. That's great. You stayed for the afternoon service. You get extra points for that today. You stayed for the second service. That's great. But it's more about your practice than about your presence. While you were here today, did you encourage? Did you exhort? Did you edify somebody? Are you, as you, as even Less about what happens here. The church is still alive seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Did you evangelize? Did you encourage? Did you exhort? Did you, did you, do, did, did you function as the church? Because the church is just the vehicle. It's not the destination. It just gets us to where we need to be. What's, what's the destination? Being the image of Christ in this world. 
You personally, being like Christ, our church looking and functioning like Jesus Christ would in St. Thomas in 2023. The church is less about our presence, more about our practice. And the church may gather on Sundays, but it functions every day. Every day. And we do, we do the best we can to, to have a good church service. But if this is what church is to you, we got to redefine your idea of what church is. A, you see often like, you know, uh, be the church, be the church. Yeah, we are. You, you can't not be the church. The, the church I, I almost said, you know, like we, we understand that the church is a building, not a body, right? It's, it's not the place that we go. Uh, churches built, burn down. Churches change. There's lots of churches in town. You ever drive through little towns and see all these little churches? That, that used to be the center of the community. And now many of those churches are houses. Things have changed, Has the, but does the body of Christ still exist and function? Yes, yes. It may function different than it did back in the day when we didn't have cars. I get that. You need, to, you need to, have to walk to church. I get it. Things are different, but the body of Christ still exists, and you're part of it. And you are, if you're saved, you're part of the church, and then you choose to follow Jesus Christ and be part of a church and be a part of a body where you can function like Jesus Christ. So anyway, this is the beginning message. I hope that you're excited about being part of the beautiful bride. I want you to fall in love with the church and realize that you are, we are uniquely allowed to be part of something that Christ started 2,000 years ago. And I've got news for you. The church will stay in existence until Jesus Christ calls her home. It's not going anywhere. I don't care what the government of Canada says or any government says, the church is not going anywhere until Jesus, until God the Father says, go get your bride, <laughs> right? So the church, you're, and you're part of it. You're part of it. Oh, I hope that excites you. I hope that it, the church, I'm going to tell you this, the church as it functions is not perfect because you're not perfect. So if you're looking for the perfect church, don't join it, right? You've heard that before, don't join it. I think it was Groucho Marx, the great theologian. Groucho Marx <laughs> had a quote said that he would not join any club that would allow him to be a member. <laughs> like if their standards are that low, I don't want to be part of it, right? So realizing that this church, Bible Baptist Church, is a part of the bride of Christ, and I'm thankful to be part of it. It's not perfect because I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. But I'm still part of it. And it's bigger than me. And it's all about being the bride of Christ. So I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. We used to have a slogan. <laughs> we, we kind of joke about it on the side of our bus even. Church the way church meant, was meant to be. And I think we were talking about like mainly even that that was more of like our style of worship. But I'm not even talking about that today. I'm talking about the church being what the church was meant to be. That is a representation of Jesus Christ on a daily and hourly basis in our community and then coming together as a body to worship, to fellowship, to encourage, to exhort, and, and do all those things. That's church the way church was meant to be. It wasn't meant to be a place where you punch in, clock in and clock out for a few hours on Sunday morning and feel good about it. That's not the church. That's not the church. The church functions every day. 
And so I'll encourage you to, to look, and it fits right in with our, our, our theme, our purpose. Where do you fit in the body of Christ, and how are you functioning? And that's what we're going to talk about over the next couple weeks, some things we can do as part of the bride of Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? When the church is what it's meant to be, it is a beautiful thing. It looks like Jesus Christ. Oh, we're not going to be perfect. There'll be a day when the church will be perfect. He'll present it to himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle someday. But until then, a bunch of imperfect followers of Christ are going to join together and be the church. And I hope you're excited about that today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, allowing us to be part of your bride. Help us not take that for granted. Help us to think about that this week as we go in our different directions. Help us encourage others in our body and evangelize those outside the body. Help us always to have in mind that you are the head of the church and you, you've organized this for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the truth that your word teaches us about the bride. We love you today. We're thankful for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen.